Good morning. Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, one of the great blessings and assurances that we have from God is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, that ought to be of great comfort because we ever stand in need of God's help and God's provision. Uh, in this troubled world, he allows us to have peace and joy. And an old saying asserts that God is never farther than a prayer away. And an old song encourages us to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Uh, David was persuaded of God's faithfulness and his power. Thus he uh, declared in Psalm 10 verse 12, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. And isn't it good to be able to call on God's name, to know that he is able to bless us above and beyond our ability to ask, and that he will always bless us in the way that is best for us. And for all of God's blessings, uh, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention uh, again this morning to Mark chapter 14, uh, the text that was read into our hearing. We want to read again there verse number nine. Mark 14, verse 9 in your Bibles, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Based on the words of Jesus there in Mark chapter 14, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, the woman Jesus won't allow time to forget. By now, you are surely aware of the fact that our theme for 2021 is staying focused on Jesus. Uh, each month, we've been doing uh, a sub-theme uh, based on that theme, and for the month of August, uh, the sub-theme will be people Jesus knew. Jesus knew a wide array of people. He knew friends and enemies, helpers and hinderers, encouragers and discouragers. In short, Jesus knew the same kind of people that we know. And as we consider the text that is before us here in Mark chapter 14, I submit to you that it is the common lot of humanity, or, or at least generally speaking, that after our decease, there is precious little to remind the world that we were ever here in the first place. In Psalm 31, verse 12, David said, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mine. I am like a broken vessel. For the most part, 
many of us will not be remembered by the majority of the world's population. And even those that are remembered, it is likely that the remembrance will be sporadic. But it has been undertaken for some to memorialize them. And I submit to you that to be memorialized is an honor. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a hall of fame? What it would be like to be remembered with the, the, the Michael Jordans or the Muhammad Ali's of their profession? Maybe not in the conversation of who was the GOAT, but to be remembered as one of the greats. What it would be like to have a holiday in your memory like MLK or Washington or Lincoln. So at least once a year, people think about me, even if not what I did, they're glad that they get a day off from work because I was here. Maybe to have an exhibit in a museum that would remind people of who you were and what you accomplished. But I think it would be greater still to be remembered from the Bible. Maybe to be remembered like Job, the man that God praised. You remember God says, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him. He's a just man, one uh, 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 that does right and shoes evil. Can you imagine what it would be like when your name came up for people to say, yeah, that's the man that God praised? Or maybe to be remembered like Abraham, who was known as the friend of God. And we remember Abraham's uh, account uh, in, in scripture. And, and in particular, when God told him, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer, to him, uh, offer him to me as a sacrifice. Or maybe to be remembered like David, who was called a man after God's own heart. And David had some ups and some downs in his life, but who can say that the, 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 the testimony of the Holy Spirit is that he was a man after God's own heart? Or maybe to be remembered like John. You remember the gospel account refers to John as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now I know Jesus loved everybody, but, but to have yourself singled out that there was just some kind of chemistry. They, they, they just clicked. There was something about John. John was that, that, that friend kind of like David and Jonathan were. Or even to be chosen like Mary, the wife of Joseph, to be the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine being remembered in that light? not just to be remembered at all, but to be remembered in some significant way that ties you to God. Well, now imagine having Jesus take a deliberate action to make sure that you were remembered. Mary was remembered, or maybe we should say memorialized by Jesus. And when we say Mary, because there are a number of Marys uh, in scripture, uh, let me be clear to identify this Mary. Uh, uh, this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. 
And I know this, not because she is named in Mark chapter 14, but because John in his uh, account of the gospel, in chapter, John chapter 11 in verse number two, John says it was that Mary previously identified in verse one uh, as the sister of Lazarus and Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. And then in his parallel account of this same event, uh, chapter 12 and verse number three, John says, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. So is Mary the sister of Lazarus and Martha uh, that Jesus remembered. And she's not to be confused uh, uh, with other Marys or the unnamed woman of Luke chapter seven that washed Jesus' feet with her tears uh, and her hair. Remember that event took place in the house of Simon the Pharisee, not Simon the leper. And it was on a different occasion. Jesus took deliberate action to remember Mary. And while God doesn't need anything from us, uh, he regards what we do in his name and in his service. In Hebrews 6 and verse number 10 in your Bibles, uh, it is declared, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. I submit to you that to be remembered or to be memorialized by Jesus is special. You know, you can remember people for a number of reasons uh, and that reason may not always be positive. I can remember uh, as a young lad, somewhere around the age of 10, uh, and to this day, I don't know the fellow's name, didn't know him, but I remember him very well from my interaction with him. There were about five of us and I don't even remember where we were going or why we were going that way, but we were cutting through an alley in a neighborhood that wasn't ours. And, and, and there was this teenage boy there and, and, and he said, what are y'all doing walking down my alley? Now he referred to us by a name, I'm sure that is on none of our birth certificates and beyond that, how was this your alley? I, I thought the alleys were like the streets, that they were a, a public property. But, but he asked us, what are y'all doing walking down my alley? I'll give y'all five to run. Now, there were five of us and one of him. Now, he was older than we are, but, but five on one, you like your chances. But all of us noted that he was sitting there holding this German shepherd and the dog looked hungry. So all five of us decided that at least at that point, discretion was the better part of valor and we all broke out. Now, I don't know that boy's name. I don't know who he was, but to this day, I remember him. So you don't always remember people for positive reasons, but Mary was remembered by Jesus. One source noted that this Mary appears three times in scripture, 
And each time she is note, it is noted that she is sitting at his feet. In Luke 10 uh, and verse number nine, you remember Jesus was there as a guest at their house and Martha was you know, bustling about trying to get dinner ready. And you remember she, she told Jesus, tell my sister to help me. And Jesus said, you're, you're, you're worried about many things, but Mary has chosen uh, 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 the good thing and it will not be taken from her. In John chapter 11 and specifically verse number 32, you remember that Lazarus has died there. And when Jesus shows up uh, at Bethany, when Mary finds out, she runs and falls at his feet and says, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And then the other occasion is John's parallel account of the text that we have in Mark chapter 14, where Jesus, uh, where Mary anoints Jesus and uh, in, in particular uh, wipes his feet with her hair. All of these things speak to Mary's faith and devotion. And it was this woman that Jesus went out of his way to remember. Now look with me there in Mark 14 and verse number eight. Jesus said, she hath done what she could. She is coming aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. I submit to you first this morning that Mary is remembered by Jesus because she did what she could. There is often a difference between what we can do, what we are willing to do, and what we actually do. You know, everything that we can do, we don't always do it. I suspect that's where that saying comes from, don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Mary couldn't preach the gospel or heal the sick with that jar of perfume, but she could honor Jesus before he died. And, and I'm glad Jesus makes note of the fact that she did what she could because it warns us not to get caught up in comparisonitis. Now, now that's another cookism. Don't go looking for that uh, in Webster's. It, it, it's not there. But, but when we say comparisonitis, we mean measuring the value or worth of oneself or one's deeds by others. And now comparisonitis exists in many forms, but in any form, in any context, it's unwise. You remember the apostle declares in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12, he says, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, Paul is speaking about a form of comparisonitis. Now, again, it exists in a number of contexts, uh, but what we ought to appreciate is that God only made one you, and, and it's unwise to compare you with others because God created you individually to be different from everybody else. If you remember the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, you remember that one servant got five talents, another got two, and a third got one. Now, some of us would be put out with that. Everybody ought to have received the same amount. But do you remember the rationale in the parable? 
Jesus said that each one received what was proportionate to his ability. So the fellow with five got five because he was able to work with five. Now, the fellow that only got two only got two because he only had two talent ability. And the fellow with one, God bless him, he, he received one because he had one talent ability, but wouldn't even use his ability with that one. But the point of the parable uh, uh, was not what one servant did in relation to the others. The point was what each servant did uh, in relation to what he was able to do. To compare what I've done with, with what you've done, again, is to miss the fact that God created us as different individuals with different abilities, or where he's blessed us with the same ability, he's blessed us with different, uh, different levels of that same ability. So comparison night is, is, is unwise. Notice what Jesus said. He didn't compare. He said she did what she could. And at any rate, we tend not to measure as God does. We tend to measure by pure quantity, whereas God measures proportionally. I find it interesting that Brother Farron mentioned this uh, right before uh, uh, the offering, you know, God can take two mics and make a great deal out of it. That woman gave what she could, what she had. And do you remember Jesus' assessment of it? That there were some rich fellas dropping in a whole lot. And Jesus said she gave more. Now, many of us would have said, and, and, and just put it in, in, in our money. Many of us would have said two cents in no way is more than $1,000. But Jesus said she gave all that she had, even all her living. Now, I don't know what you think about two cents, but until you put in all that you have, none of us is in any position to have a commentary about what that woman gave. You know, some people say, if I only had two cents, I'd give two cents. No, you wouldn't. If you only had two cents, you'd probably be putting a touch on one of the rest of us uh, so that you'd have more than two cents but she did what she could. It wasn't a matter of others being able to do more. Mary did what she could. Then look there again in Mark chapter 14, verse number three. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she break the box and poured it on his head. Not only is Mary remembered by Jesus because she did what she could, but Mary is remembered by Jesus because she was gracious in what she did. Judas declared that the value of uh, declared the value of the ointment to be in excess uh, of three hundred denarii or, or three hundred pence uh, in, in, in verse five. Now that would have been. Uh, the rough equivalent of a year's wages for a common working man. And, and, and again, think about, have any of us, have you ever dropped in the collection a year's wage in one fell swoop? It, it, you know, we haven't even dropped in a paycheck's wage in, in one fell swoop. Can you imagine giving a year's worth in one fell swoop? And because of the way the perfume was bottled, it had to be used all at once. See, Mary couldn't have given part of it 
Once she opened it, she had to give it all. But beware and be aware that there will be haters, even when and especially when you do things for the Lord. Notice what verse four says, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. Well, well, what's the problem? Here, Mary is anointing the master with this perfume. Now, notice the false reason, uh, uh, the false question. Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. Now, in the parallel accounts, we're told that Judas was one of the prime players in this and that Judas was the treasurer. Now, now I don't think you have to be able to do uh, a trigonometry to put two and two together. If he's the treasurer and he's holding what's in the bag and he has no trouble helping himself to what's in the bag. See, Judas was saying, see, that 300 pence should have went in the bag. So I could have helped myself to some, if not all of what the perfume was worth. And notice how he recruited some folk. See, be careful whose team you join. Just because somebody has a gripe don't mean you need to gripe with them. But observe that Jesus made prominent the difference which God and man place upon the same deed. Because while they were murmuring and talking about why you wasting this perfume, notice what Jesus said, verse six, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. See, God and man just look at things different. Do you remember Luke 16, verse 15? where Jesus said, ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now, in this case, it was the reverse. What men despised, God praised. And again, uh, 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 learn to be secure in what you're doing I don't have to play comparisonitis and worry about what I'm doing versus what others may be doing. What the disciples had deemed as a waste and that which they had taken themselves upon themselves to rebuke was in the Lord's sight an action fit to be kept in everlasting remembrance as a model of conduct for future generation. Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, what Mary has done is going to be told also. And appreciate it is more of a commentary on the one who speaks ill of another than it is on the one of whom they are speaking. You know, when, when people talk about you, you know, when they throw shade, it, it's more of a commentary on them than it is on you. Because if I'm all that bad, and, and, and you know all that you know, and you got the love of Jesus in you. Why are you talking about me rather than trying to help me? And as they used to, as they used to say in the old school, to talk about me, you have to think about me. So at least I'm on your mind. And then in verse, uh, verse 7, Jesus said, For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do good to them, but me you have not always. Mary is remembered by Jesus because she was timely 
and what she did. See, there was a window of opportunity to anoint the body of Jesus. And Mary caught the window of opportunity. The words of Jesus say to us that Mary was showing love, faith, and self-sacrifice. See, the opportunity to anoint Jesus uh, for his burial was immediate and wouldn't come again. And, and what this tells us is that some acts of kindness are one chance opportunities. And once that opportunity is gone, it will not come again. I'm glad that's why it takes such care to notice if people are visiting with us. Uh, you know, it, it may just be that we receive them warmly that moves them to come back again. But what if they come in and nobody speaks and then they leave and never come this way again? That opportunity is gone. Some opportunity, uh, some acts of kindness are one chance opportunities and take it a step further. Some opportunities are one chance deals. Parents, your children grow up once. They're going to be young once. You, you get to hold them on your knee once. You, you, you get to spend that quality time with them when they're young and build the relationship once. Because once they're grown, they're grown. You, you, you don't get to rewind the hands of time and make them small again. And, and, and I've always said one of the worst things to live with is regret. Because there's no, no reason to sit around wishing we could rewind the hands of time because time is something you never get again. Once it's gone, it's gone. We go through life once. You ever hear people talking about if I had it to do over again? Well, guess what? None of us has it to do over again. And however you do it the first time coming through, that's how it's done. We ought to take care to take advantage of the opportunities that are ours while the opportunity is there. You know, many opportunities are missed because we defer to act now. We put things off until tomorrow. But appreciate tomorrow is a mirage on the desert of never was. Isn't it interesting how tomorrow somehow never gets here? When tomorrow comes is tomorrow. And then after that is next week or next month or next year until you forget about it altogether. You know, some of us have goals that we say we were going to uh, uh, set out to attain, but tomorrow. You know, I was gonna start working on losing weight, but brother hold it barbecuing some stuff. <laughs> so we'll start tomorrow. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, we read of the rich man and Lazarus. And in particular, it is said of the rich man in, in verse 19, that he fared sumptuously every day. Now, when you read that, when it says he fared sumptuously every day, it's not stated, but what that's also saying is, if he could fare sumptuously every day, then he had time every day for things that really mattered. You got time to sit down at this elaborate spread and eat. You got time to take care of the things that are really important. And you remember he died and Lazarus died 
and he wanted Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water because he was tormented and that wasn't possible. But then you remember he thought about his five brothers. Well, if it's too late for me, let somebody go warn my five brothers. Well, why didn't you warn them when you were faring sumptuously every day? See, now you're concerned about them, but the opportunity has passed you by. Do you remember what was said to him? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They said, well, no, not, they're not going to listen to them. See, you know your people, or at least you think you do. But then it was said to him, if they won't hear the word of God, then they won't believe even if somebody comes back from the dead. But you know what he needed to appreciate? I had an opportunity to warn my brothers. And I didn't worry about that opportunity until that opportunity had passed me by. I should have said something to them every day when I was faring sumptuously. He became concerned, but he was concerned after the opportunity was gone. The opportunity that God gives us is today. In James 4, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, go to now, ye that say. In our language, look, you better watch it. You better be careful. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Anybody here been in a, a, a serious accident? Did you know the day before that the next day you were going to be in that accident? I venture to say, if we knew I was going to have that accident, I, I remember breaking my arm. If I knew the day before that I was going to break my arm the next day, I'd have stayed in the house and not moved a step and probably broke it some other way. <laughs> but we know not what's going to happen on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Mary did what she could when the time to do it was available. And Jesus said, for this reason, wherever the gospel is preached, Mary is going to be remembered. Wouldn't it be something to have Jesus remember you like that? Just the one that did what she could when the time presented itself. You know, we want Jesus to remember us at the judgment. We want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, as opposed to depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. We want to be remembered by Jesus. Jesus says, I'm willing to remember you if you're willing to do what Mary did. Do what you can. Obey my word and don't worry about what others are doing. Now, God calls us to hear the gospel message. You know, we can do that. 
we can sit and listen to the good news of Christ Jesus, that he died, that he was buried and raised the third day for our justification. Romans 10, 17, the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can hear the gospel message. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we will, but we can. Jesus requires that we believe that he is the Christ, the son of God. In John 8, verse 24, Jesus says, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. Now, we can believe. Now, everybody choose, doesn't choose to do so, but we can believe. The evidence is overwhelming. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And because he is the Christ, he's in a position to command. And he commands us to repent of sin. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, the Bible says, at the times of this ignorance, God winked. But now he commands that all men everywhere repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man which he has ordained, whereby he has given assurance in raising him from the dead. Now, we can repent. Now, we may choose not to, but we can. So the Lord hadn't commanded us to do anything that we are unable to do. He requires us to confess that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Matthew 10, verse 32, Jesus says, Whosoever therefore will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Now, again, we can confess the name of Jesus. Now, there are some who have chosen not only not to confess Jesus, but to deny him. But you know what Jesus doesn't do? He didn't argue with people about whether or not he exists. You know what he said? At the judgment, every knee is going to bow to me and every tongue is going to confess that I am. See, Jesus is like that parent that knows they're the parent. See, when you know you're the parent, you don't argue with your children. I've said what I've said and that's the end of the matter. Now, you argue with them at your own peril. And when you come in here and tell me, or tell one of the elders, I took it upon myself to sass my parents, and they took, me, took the rod and showed me why that's unwise, I'm gonna say amen and hallelujah. And as an old preacher used to say, may their tribe increase. And then Jesus requires that we be baptized in water for the remission of sin. In 1 Peter 3, verse number 21, Peter declares the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Why baptism? Because that's what God requires. And it's not about the water washing our sins away. It's about an obedient response to the command of God that allows us to be recipients of the grace and mercy of God. Everything God has commanded, we can do. Now, there are people that choose not to obey God, but do you know when it comes to God for every choice, you have to give an account? We can obey the gospel message. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, as a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit 
and adds us to the church and thereafter requires that we live obediently. Again, in 1 Peter, uh, this time chapter 2, verse number 9, Peter says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, we can live right. Now, we don't always do it. We don't always choose to, but we can. We can always do the right thing, and we can stop telling that, that untruth that the devil made me do it. He doesn't make us do anything. At best, he can suggest and we can listen, but I can always do what God requires of me because the power of God works in us. That's why he puts his spirit in us so that we can live right. Perhaps you're listening on one of the social media outlets, if that be the case, we bid you to reach out to our leaders at elders at laurelchurch.net. Maybe you're here in the audience. You want to be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. That's the case. Then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. Change my heart, oh.